Coming up on Stu Does America, it's essentially Christmas morning for the Taliban in Afghanistan. You know, I mean, if they believe in that sort of thing. I answer more of your burning Delta variant questions. And Joe Biden is so excruciatingly awful at being president that he can't even handle an interview by his own fawning media. We'll look at the worst bits as we do Biden in denial. Stu Does America. Uh, this is going pretty well, huh? And uh, I will say, and I've said it before, but this is catastrophic. Everything about it is catastrophic. It's the worst possible outcome anyone could have imagined. And this time I'm not talking about the pullout from Afghanistan. I'm talking about Joe Biden's interview with George Stephanopoulos, <laughs> which was really, really bad. Is Joe Biden in denial? Is our president in denial about what's going on in Afghanistan? I don't know. Do we have a president? I'm kind of in denial that we have a president right now. I'd like to deny that Joe Biden is that president, but apparently he is. He seems to be actually in the White House doing something occasionally. And when he does things, we've realized he's one of these guys that everything he touches turns to crap. Like immediately turns. He's kind of like, it's like the Midas touch, but instead of... You know, it just goes right to crap. It just skips all the other good things, goes right to crap. Let's go through some of this interview here because it was, it was perplexing. It's one thing to oversee the most pathetic and catastrophic failure of leadership from any president in my entire lifetime. That's hard to do. Presidents have sucked throughout most of my life. But he's really set a new, he's hit a new bar here. We've cleared a presidential failure bar that I, I am not sure that I would have seen coming. But Biden has done that. Uh, then he just doesn't say much of anything for multiple days as all of this stuff is going on. And then shows up for a quick speech, which he basically doesn't address any of the important questions about what's going on. He just says, yeah, I think we should have left Afghanistan and then walks off of the stage with no questions. Now, if you're going to, go into a, a crisis and handle it that way. I mean, okay, but basically what you're saying there is we know we screwed up and there's not much we can do about it. So we're just going to power through and hope you guys forget about it. Maybe something else will come up. Okay, fine. That's an approach. It's not a good approach. It's not an approach that serves the American people, but at least it's a political approach. But then he immediately schedules an interview with George Stephanopoulos where he's going to obviously have to answer some questions. I mean, George Stephanopoulos is a former Democratic staffer, right? I mean, this is not a, this is not, he's not going up against Glenn Beck uh, or the, you know, the, the, the deceased Rush Limbaugh. He's going up against, you know, a guy who worked for Bill Clinton. I mean, how hard can this be? But Stephanopoulos, to his credit, asked some actual questions, pushed him a little bit here, and I thought did a pretty good job at making sure Joe Biden at least had to say something about these difficult issues. Let's start here. And, and this is what made me think today's show should be called Stu Does Biden in Denial, because he's he's in denial about what's actually happened here. This is like a person who is not clicking. And I know we talk about his cognitive abilities and we're not always complimentary on them. But this is to a, a level that I don't even think I believed. He seems to be totally disconnected to actual reality. Watch. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? 
Hmm. Look, I don't think it was a fair. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the when the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had <laughs> I bet. the government of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. the leader of that government getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country. Okay. When you saw the significant collapse of the of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, mm-hmm. up to 300,000 of them. Right. Just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. Yeah. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. That's almost too smart a comment, isn't it? What, what, what is that? First of all, he denies it's a failure. He doesn't even give a category of the failure. It would be nice to know which kind of failure it was. Was it a failure of intelligence? Was it a failure of judgment? I mean, I think all of these can be said at some level to be true. Yes, they were. it was a failure in that arena. I mean, intelligence and all the sources coming from the mainstream media, to give them credit, they're getting sources from intelligence uh, personnel who are saying, we told them this is going to happen or there's a good chance it was going to happen. So... There's some real reporting out there that says it was not really a failure of intelligence, but I'm sure they didn't get this exactly right. The failure in judgment is crystal clear. And Joe Biden's answer to that question is, it wasn't a failure. Let me back up. Uh, You know, the, the, the president left and that's just what happened. It's simply what happened. It's not even an answer. First of all, was the president of Afghanistan going to do all this fighting himself? Did we we think he was going to have all the guns in his arms? Just go out there to start beating up Taliban soldiers like there's a lot of people there. You should have been aware that they were just going to fade away like this. At least you had to be prepared for it. No, you had to at least know that it was a possibility. And then maybe you before, you know, before evacuating an air base, you make sure your civilians are out of the country. Is that not the most basic rule here? He continued to go on in real denial here. This is a really strange thing from a guy, I think, who's flailing. I think he's realized probably in a quiet moment that he's made a massive mistake. He's ruined his presidency in year one, and he's trying to figure out a way. He's trying to basically do a version of what he thinks Trump does, which is power through whether he's right or wrong. That's how the left sees Donald Trump, right? He says something. Everyone calls him out, says he's wrong. He just powers through and says it's right no matter what. And it seems like the the left is trying to adopt this vision they have of Donald Trump. Well, I know I'm wrong here. I'm just going to keep waddling through this and see if I can power through. It's just too pathetic. It's too much of a lie. There's no way you can do it in this situation. Here he is talking about talking about, first of all, the images we all saw coming from Afghanistan. We've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen. Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first stop? stop. I got to stop there. We we have to address this one point here. First of all, it wasn't four or five days ago. It was two days before the interview. So he's uh, he's already doubling time in his head. I don't know what that means. Uh, Probably nothing good. But what is what of what relevance is it that it was four or five days ago? Like that's so long ago you shouldn't have asked about it. That's so long ago, it's in the ancient past. I mean, I guess in some ways it was the ancient past. It was back when the Afghan government still existed. So, yeah, it was a long time ago in those terms. But four to five days ago, not only is that not that long ago, but it also is uh, you haven't spoken or answered one question about this in the four or five days you're talking about. So, of course, he should be asking about this. It's a really important part of this. And it's it is impossible for us to ignore It's impossible for us to forget. Think about how this thing started. 
we had, we, we mentioned this the other day. The 9-11 uh, attacks happen. Fires burning up on those high floors. People can't get down. And you see those terrible images of people jumping out of the building. We bookend that with these planes evacuating people and Afghans falling off the planes to their death. In an, in an eerie similarity. We have, they said this is manifestly not going to be Saigon. And then we saw helicopters lifting people off the roof. We saw people in much more powerful imagery than I think even in Saigon, where you have people grasping on to planes as they're taking off. We've never seen anything like that before. So, yeah, you know, I know it was 96 hours ago and all, but yeah, still important to ask about, Joe. Uh, The conversation continues, though. When you first saw those pictures, what I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. Yeah. We have to move this more quickly. Really? We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. Oh, good idea. And we did. Mm. So you don't think this could have been handled? This actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. No, you don't. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. What on, what on, what on earth is happening here? What, what on earth is going on? What do you mean, you priced in that the government was gonna collapse in two days? You say that, you know, he goes back and forth saying that this is a total shock to me, and I priced it in. Which one is it, Joe? This is incredible. What do you mean you priced it in? How, on, how could that possibly be your answer to this? If it was going to be chaos and it was unavoidable chaos, why did you vote for it back in 2001? Why didn't you do something about it when you were vice president for eight years? Why, why did this go on for this long? Of course there's a way to exit at the end of a conflict without chaos. Germany? We were able... Japan? Uh, There are tons and tons of examples. You know, we talk about how bad nation building is. And it, you know, look, a lot of times we try to do too much, okay? We're like the quarterback that tries to force a throw on third and long. We try to do too much. I understand that. Not always the right idea. But it has worked before, too. There are examples that have become longtime allies of ours. And we went in and we tried to help them build into a country that made some sense. There are countries that border uh, Afghanistan that are not outwardly uh, attacking the United States of America. That region can have some success stories. It's not all tragedy and death all the time. This is, though, something different we're talking about. We're talking about the way you did this. And of course it was avoidable without chaos. If it wasn't avoidable without chaos, then you shouldn't have done it. There were other options here, and those options should have been taken. If what, if, and even if it was gonna be chaos, let's just go down this road for just a second and, and be as dumb as Joe Biden for a couple of minutes. If it was gonna be chaos, then you get everyone out before you pull the military out. You don't, you don't leave every, all these civilians in there. You can tell he didn't know it was going to happen because the whole plan was to keep troops in there to protect the embassy that they theoretically were going to stay at. Now it's gone. Now it's turned into some, you know, hangout for the Taliban. 
it's just, it's despicable. He uh, went on to talk about how intelligence got this so wrong. Because again, none of this is his fault. The buck stops with him, except for every single aspect of it that he's blamed on something else. Somebody else, somewhere else, something. Here's, uh, here he is on the collapse. Because we've got like 10 to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? We have about 80,000 people. Well, who, that's not the Is estimate. that too high? That's too high. How the many? estimate we're giving is somewhere between 50 and 65,000 folks total, counting their families. No, thanks Does for the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. Translation, no. It doesn't. It doesn't. For, for those people that helped us, eh, we'll see. We're going to try to get the Americans out. We'll see about that, too. Remember, this thing could still turn much, much darker than it is. We keep looking at this as if it's this past failure from four or five days ago. It's not. It's an ongoing crisis. One crazy Taliban soldier that decides, you know what? Screw you. I'm going for it could turn this into a much bigger disaster and cost a lot of American lives. Um, let's talk about the actual uh, intelligence aspect of this, and not the low intelligence of our president, but the uh, intelligence as far as information on the ground. Watch. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong, or did you downplay it? There was no consensus. If you go back and look at the intelligence reports, they said that it was like more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. You didn't put a timeline out when you said it was highly unlikely. You just said flat out it's highly unlikely the Taliban would take over. Yeah. Well, the question was whether or not it, the idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the, uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were right. going to give up. I don't mm -hmm. think anybody anticipated that. Senator but, McConnell said it was a predictable that the Taliban was going to take over. Well, by the end of the year, it said that that was a real possibility. But no one said it was going to take over then when it was being asked. What is he even talking about? This guy's the president of the United States. Are you kidding me? This is the best we have? Seriously? This guy? This is incredible. Uh, he said there's no consensus. But, of course, uh, there was consensus, apparently, that it was gonna, they were going to take over by the end of the year, which would be interesting because that's, that would be in the winter when most of this fighting doesn't occur. One of the, the most obvious questions here is why didn't they delay this until winter so at least the government had a few months to get their feet set? But no, they didn't do that. And he, he goes into this, he has this tick that he does. The idea that uh, they were going to take over right away is premised on the notion that 300,000 people were not going to fight. Well, yeah, we, we know. We know what the notion is. The, the question is, were you prepared for it? He tries to say that there was no consensus, but then outlines what he says was the consensus, that by the end of the year, the Taliban was going to take over. I mean, that's embarrassing. Why did we train them for 20 years if we knew by leaving that by the end of the year, the Taliban was going to take over? I certainly suspected that was a real possibility, but only because of people like Joe Biden failing. It shouldn't have been what he was counting on. So has the Taliban changed? This is a big narrative right now. Have they changed? Watch. What happens now in Afghanistan? Do you believe the Taliban have changed? No. I think, let me put it this way. I think they're going through sort of an existential crisis about mm. do they want to be recognized 
by the international community as being a legitimate government. I'm not sure they do. But look, they have... They, they care about their beliefs more. Well, they do. But they also care about whether they have food to eat. Mm. Whether they have an income that can make any money, an and income that run can an make economy. any money. That's a they great, care well, about whether well or not put. they can hold together the society that they, in fact, say they care so much about. Right. I'm not counting on any of that, but that is part of what I think is going on right now, in terms of I, I'm not sure I would have predicted, George, nor would you or anyone else, that when we decided to leave, that they provide safe passage for Americans to get out. Yeah, and they're not doing that. Let's be honest about it. They're not doing it. The, the American people are, are a, a mile down the road and they won't let them down the road to get to the airport. That's not giving them clear passage. Are you nuts? This just pisses me off. I'll be honest with you. It pisses me off. You know, he's right about one thing. There is an existential crisis going on right now that's important among the Taliban. And I mean this sincerely. There is one. It's not the one he's talking about. Not, well, I don't know. Do we want to be just like Great Britain and, and maybe we could join NATO together? It's not that. The crisis that's going on right now is you have one group of Taliban who are there and they're saying to themselves, look, we got control of this country. We got clear sailing ahead. The Americans are about to leave. Let them leave. Let them get out of our faces. Then we'll start planning some terror attacks down the line. We can have our way with all the women all over the place and get get to whatever raping we have planned for this week. We can get all that done as soon as they get out of here. Let's just wait and be patient. That is there is a part of the Taliban that is saying that. And that's kind of their public face right now. But there's another part of the Taliban who's sitting here and saying, hey, these guys have been in our face for 20 years. They've killed thousands and thousands and thousands of our family members and our friends. And they're all sitting here like little sitting ducks in an airport or in an embassy. We could do anything we wanted to them. Are we really going to let them off the hook right now? Are we really going to let these people go? Are we really going to let every one of these planes take off? These guys walking around with grenade launchers are sitting saying to themselves in their little private conversations, you know what, screw what the, the, our leadership is saying. Look what they've done to us. Now, again, this is insane. This is terrorist talk. But one of them decides to fire a grenade at a plane as it's taking off and takes it down with 600 people in it. Or they decide to go into that embassy with guns and start a, a little bit of a mass shooting. Good God almighty, this could get a lot worse really fast. We are not out of this, guys. We're not out of this yet. This is not a past crisis. It's a current one. We are in a real moment of danger. And watch this guy in these interviews. Are you at all confident this man is, has the ability to lead us out of it? He already led us into it. I find no confidence in this, in this president. This is the most embarrassing, catastrophic failure of leadership in a president in my lifetime. I'm angry and I'm embarrassed as an American to watch this go on. And I will tell you, we will be lucky if this is just as bad as it gets. It could be much, much worse by the time you see this. I don't even know where to go. Back in a second. Can you tell I'm irritated today? Can you tell? You know what soothes all irritation? Chocolate. You have a Built Bar. It's coated in real chocolate. You have a great flavor like, I don't know, mint brownie, coconut, double chocolate, uh, salted caramel, cookies and cream. There's so many more. They're always coming out with new flavors. You can get a mixed box 
and get two each of their nine regular flavors. And you might think, what is this, a candy bar? Basically, yes. I mean, the answer to that is basically yes. My wife always says, make sure they're chilled. Chill them in your refrigerator. That's the best way to eat them. 180 calories, 18 grams of protein. So they're not just like a candy bar. It basically tastes like a candy bar, but you're getting protein. You're getting low carbs, low sugar, all the good stuff. It's healthy. It's a snack. Maybe it'll soothe the savage beast who's yelling at your Joe Biden interviews as you watch them. Go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, built.com. Use the promo code STU15. You'll save 15% off your first order. The promo code is STU15 for 15% off at built.com. It's built.com. I want to bring in Rob Eno from Blaze TV. Rob, uh, I, we were on News and Why It Matters yeah. earlier uh, today, and it's worth going back and watching some of the episodes today because I think both of us are in the same position. I am incredibly angry at yeah. what is going on right now. A simmering rage. Yeah. It's a simmering, <laughs> murderous rage. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and I think, yeah. I, well, you know, we're about the same age, and I think, like, there's this thing where, like, this was a central part of my becoming an adult and caring about the news. You know what I mean? It happened, I think, in my mid-20s, I guess. And it's like, well, this was a big deal. And, like, we spent a lot of resources. And, like, I felt really justified uh, in this fight. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like we were doing the right thing. We had to stop this. You know, it's a foundational moment in my life, 9-11, in some terrible way. And, like, to see it end like this is just infuriating. Yeah, I I had a, um, a grammar school classmate and college classmate. Um, who I found out the day after because the news wasn't as fast in 2001. Yeah. It's weird to like think yeah. that because we didn't have phones and see it right away. We I had actually wait for a print newspaper and saw his picture on the front page yeah. of the newspaper and he passed away. Mm. Married a, a high school friend of mine. Um, his name was Brian Kinney. Um, so, you know, th- this was th- th- this is personal to me. I remember being in Canada sometime in the, the mid 2010s or might have been the late 2000s. And I saw a Canadian um, guy that had been to Afghanistan. He was coming back and they were celebrating. And I went up, I was a little drunk, but I went up and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, right? you yeah. know, I, I thanked him for doing it. And I shared the story of the person that I knew. It definitely was a foundational moment. Yeah. Um, and, and then to see this happen this way, this badly, it, it really is unthinkable. I mean, even two months ago, I would have been, I would have thought this was insane. Like I, and I don't think Joe Biden is a good president. Like, so I right. thought he was going to be bad. I thought he was going to blow this, but not this bad. You, you, you thought that the level would be here. Yeah. And Joe, like, went here, <laughs> yeah. right? And I said, I said earlier this week, I, I tweeted out, and I said, you know, if you miss the 1970s, where every day had a worse news story, mm. um, you know, I didn't. I was seven yeah. in 1980, so mm-hmm. I, I remember the Iran uh, hostage crisis and, and long lines at the gas. Like, I, that, that's a foundational, like, early childhood yeah. thing for me. yeah. You know, welcome, you're back. I mean, like, this is like the 1970s. Every day is worse than the last. Yeah, and like, I, you know, I, you can, might, I might remember bits and pieces of those days, but like, I was obviously not politically aware mm-hmm. of Jimmy Carter um, as a president. This is, though, in my politically aware years, the worst single piece of presidential leadership that I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like this. And again, I went through the I went through I was on talk radio through the Obama administration. We found lots of stuff that we thought yeah, really yeah. was bad. This is incomprehensible. The incompetence. This is the this the, the almost sincere desire to see a disaster out of this president. He almost wants one. It's, it, it's the only way you can think to explain how badly this has gone. Yeah, I mean, after the unpleasantness of the American Revolution and that War of 1812 thing. <laughs> right. 1917, mm-hmm. you know, the, the special relationship between the United yeah. States and the United Kingdom. 
started blossoming. Mm -hmm. It's been, what, 104 years now? Joe Biden didn't tell the British that we were leaving. And they've been there with us every step of the way from the beginning. They were there with us. I I remember watching on 9-11 and you saw buildings blow up in Kabul and you're like, that's because our special forces are there. And they just went in angrily, probably by themselves, without anybody Mm -hmm. telling them to, and blew up some buildings. Right. And I bet you the British SAS and the British Royal Marines were there with us because we were helping the Northern Alliance, trying to, like, counteract the Taliban because we knew that there was some, you know, that there there were terrorist camps there. So we were trying to do that. So they've been with us since even before the beginning. Yeah. And he, like, doesn't tell him. And and Boris Johnson tries to call him. Right. It's like. Thirty six hours. For Joe Biden to take the call. 36 hours to take the call from our largest ally. The Germans basically said this is the biggest failure of NATO in the history of NATO. That they're now looking for a more... One of the, the, the dreams of Angela Merkel is a European army, right? That's outside of NATO. That is a European army that has forces from all of the different countries because she wants the European Union to become a country like the United States is with the member mm-hmm. countries actually being federal states. Right. Yeah, right I mean, that, right, that's right. like Germany's goal. And and they're pushing more for that now because of how colossal of a screw up this is. It's incredible. So let me change directions a little bit here to go to the media here, because I've had this weird feeling as I've watched this this uh, whole story develop. Is the media partially doing a good job here? I know it's weird to say here on on Blaze, but like I will say, there have been a lot of really good stories taking uh, Joe Biden to account. I thought the Stephanopoulos interview was pretty good. Uh, I've seen the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and a bunch of examples of really calling him out and squarely putting the blame on Joe Biden's shoulders, which it's, it's, you can't put it there for the entire conflict. You can, of course, he did vote for it, and he was there for eight years as vice president, and now he's, he's looking uh, over this, this era of it. But this particular thing is, is so out of, out of the realm of normal presidential behavior. So is, am I right here? Is the media actually doing some good work? No, you're absolutely right. You, you can't sugarcoat this if you're the media. Mm. It's that... <laughs> bad when you have you know floor speeches on the house of commons denouncing and censoring the united states of america's leadership joe biden for doing this like that happened right like like you you don't imagine that that would ever happen but that happened and and i knew that it was going to be bad for joe biden on sunday because i'm driving home i was out you know driving around i went up to go see some some family up in oklahoma i'm coming back and i get an email from from uh axios Mm-hmm. Right. Which is the it's like the corporatist news thing. They're funded by like Boeing and stuff like that. And the people that read it and like lobbyists fund them so that they do stuff in Washington for them. So it's <laughs> it's not left wing media. It's kind of corporatist media. Right. OK. Yeah. Um, Mike Allen. Yeah. Who writes what who used to write the political playbook. Yep. And, and then he, he went over to Axios. Axios right? yeah. He started Axios mm-hmm. with some other people. Mm-hmm. He, he and I'm paraphrasing here, basically called it. There is no defense for this. It's the worst thing that he's ever seen in a foreign policy situation in his entire coverage of the American political system. That's what he said. I knew it was going to be bad for Joe Biden (laughs) when that happened. Yeah. Right. There's no. And then Joe Biden, like, I I don't know if they've got to get his meds right or what it is or, you know, he's supposedly the the media reports that he's not going to get briefed until 10 a.m. 
on Monday. Like, like I mean, Trump, for all his bad stuff, was like up at 4 a.m. and like in bed at 2. Like the guy could <laughs> run on no sleep somehow, yeah. right? Joe Biden's not going to get up till 10. They're not going to brief him till 10, right? And then he gets on at 3.45 and doesn't take the press's questions. Can you imagine if Donald Trump didn't take the press's questions on something as as big as this? They'd be going nuts, and they they're rightfully yeah. are. They're, nobody's sugarcoating this. Now, Stephanopoulos did like pivot to COVID and some other stuff that he yeah. shouldn't have done. He should have just kept pushing him on mm-hmm. Afghanistan because that is the biggest story. You know, the squirrel, ooh, the squirrel again. Sure. But I mean, it, it's it, and Biden has just kept defending it and defending it and defending it and defending it. Getting out of Afghanistan was not the wrong thing to do. We should have been out a long time ago. Right. What they want to do there. We keep some troops in the region. We've got the ability to bomb them to smithereens if they start letting Al Qaeda back in there. Right. Maybe we send some special forces in to kill them, you know, which is what, you know, they wanted to do in the first place. That, right. that was the whole thing is, you know, special forces come in, they come out and then we like put battalions in a mountainous area, which is kind of stupid <laughs> when you think of it. Right. To try and take over the country. But the media, I don't think, is going to let Biden get away with this. And, and, and I think they're not going to let Democrats get away with it, because that's why you see Democrats saying we need to have hearings on this. This is because they're up for election yeah. in a year and two months. Right. This, yeah. This, and this is catastrophic. I mean, I, I really do think it's not just a, an issue about what's going on over there. It is. It's, this is really, I think, central. It's in the hearts of Americans. 9-11, yeah. for, unless you're you know, you know, young enough to not necessarily remember it, it's really central to a worldview. And yes, I think you know, he, he, this was the Biden strategy, right? To go in there and say, look, we needed to get out of there. I can't send another generation of kids. I can't hand this off to another president. He kept going back to that. But there's no one who's really saying, like, we want to stay there till the yeah. end of time. A small force was something that I think would make sense. Uh, having an airbase, right? Like it's hard to do these operations that you're talking about because we have no airbases anywhere near Afghanistan now. We have to fly in from a zillion miles away and it makes it really difficult to do. If we had, we have an airbase in Cuba, right? Or we have a, 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 you know, we have Guantanamo in Cuba. Yeah. Like we have, we do these things, whether you like it or not, this is a, a normal part of U.S. foreign policy to keep a location. Even if we didn't get involved in their squabbles every day, we were there in case we needed to right. be there. Regardless of whether you even think that's the right thing to do. This is just like, it's like, it's like saying, look, I don't know. Should I go to Taco Bell right now? Well, you went naked. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether the right decision was to go to Taco Bell or not. You needed clothes on. And that's a basic mm-hmm. thing about leaving your home. And Joe didn't do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not even, you know, the Afghanistan government who's going to take control of Afghanistan. It's the way that he did it. Yeah. We have 15,000 United States citizens stuck in Afghanistan that the State Department said we will not help you get from wherever you are into Afghanistan to the Kabul airport. If you can happen to get there yourself, you can go. And then you have the British that sent their forces out into Afghanistan to get their people, to get the people that helped the coalition, and to get Americans because they said, if you want to come with us, just come with us. We left people behind. A fundamental principle of the United States of America is to not leave people behind in war. We didn't do it in, I mean, it makes, this makes the withdrawal and the end of the Vietnam War look honorable. Yeah, looks great. In comparison, it looks fantastic. I mean, uh, this is uh, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, and Joe Biden is an embarrassment. He's an embarrassment to this country. It's there's no other way to say it. 
There's no other way to sugarcoat it. Even the media is calling it out, which is the rarest thing right. I think. I don't think I ever thought I'd see that. Uh, Rob Eno, uh, Blaze TV. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, at Robino. At Robino on the Twitters. On the Twitters. On the Twitters. Go there and fight with Robino. He likes to get into Twitter battles. So go on, torture him, go back and forth. It's lots of fun. Rob, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Rob. So the Jeopardy host situation. I don't know why this is kind of interesting to me. I always like these things where someone from the inside just takes the job. Like, and it has nothing to do with, you know, he's the executive producer of Jeopardy with Alex Trebek, and now he's going to be the host. His name is um, Mike Richards. That has, me cheering for him has nothing to do with me being the executive producer of the radio program, the Glenn Beck radio program. Uh, nothing to do with that. Um, but, you know, when Glenn finally goes away from, you know, I don't know, sobbing himself to death or one of his 914,000 health problems, I'm definitely not going to be a candidate until I am. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it's funny because it is weird that like they had all these big celebrities like Aaron Rodgers was hosting it. And, you know, the LeVar Burton was highly pr- uh, publicized. Ken Jennings, the former contestant. And then he just kind of gave it to the executive producer of the show, which was a little, I think, unexpected. Let's put it that way. Well, now some of the Jeopardy fans are not happy about this and they're trying to cancel this guy. There's like a zillion page report in the ringer for some reason about him and one of the things they're talking about is if you remember the the situation back in the day when a bunch of celebrities had their iClouds hacked and they released all these nudie pictures of all the celebrities he was doing a podcast at the time and asked his co-host if she had taken nude photos which apparently is a me too violation now and uh used the word booby on the air several times several times guys the word booby several times I mean, I kick him off of Jeopardy and put him in prison. I mean, I think that's what should happen. He should be in prison immediately. Um, he, uh, he said another episode, this is what they came up with. On another episode, he said that women in one-piece swimsuits looked really frumpy and overweight. Okay, what? He's choking on a podcast. These are, this is the dumbest. We just, this is the problem. There are people in Afghanistan who may or may not make it through the rest of the day, right? And yet here we are uh, when we're complaining about a joke, uh, the, the new host of Jeopardy made on, on podcasts. And this is why our nation is superior to all others. Yes, it's called American exceptionalism, and I'm going to embrace it here for a second. The truth is our problems are dumb. All the stuff that we talk about every day is dumb. Like, for example, CRT. It's a great example. It's a it's a really dumb thing, really dumb. And it's a big issue to us because we don't have to worry about feeding ourselves the next day. We don't have to worry about likely an explosion going off. Now, I'm, it is an important issue if people started believing it. Right. And we know we have to fight against it. But like in comparison to what's going on in the rest of the world, a lot of our issues are dumb. I keep coming back to this one. We are complaining about knocking down statues of people who believed really bad things and you know, maybe had slaves 200 years ago. Other places in the world are dealing with people who were really bad and currently have slaves. That's why we're better. Our problems are dumb. Just thought I'd tell you about that. I will say this. In the, in the woke era... So often things like, um, you know, uh, controversies are exploited. If someone says something to you, 
um, that you could take in an, as if you were offended, people embrace that. It's that victimhood culture. And I hate that victimhood culture. I think it, it's, it's weak. We have a wokenessisweakness.com. Uh, I believe you can go there. Anyway, you can get that uh, merch at studosmerch.com. It says wokeness is weakness, and it's true. If, if we embrace this idea of wokeness, we're showing ourselves to be weak. We're offended by everything. We're, everything's a, a, a microaggression. It's taking uh, us out of our life and our, 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 our happiness because of some nonsensical BS, right? So I love this example here because this is Shoei Otani. And if you don't know who he is, he leads the league in home runs right now. He's having an absolutely historic season uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Going back to... Babe Ruth. I mean, this is a guy who's at 40 home runs, and he's the ace pitcher at the same time on his staff. I mean, I never thought I'd see anything like this in my life. But Jack Morris, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher, was on the air. He's also a broadcaster. And he apparently, I have not actually heard it. A lot of places will not show it to you. Of course, hard to make a judgment on it when, when they won't actually play the video. But he said something. Otani is uh, from Japan, I believe. And he was... Um, he said something in a what they called a stereotypical accent talking about him and he's been suspended he needs to go to tr- sensitivity training i mean he's a 60 some odd year old dude and he made one comment that i guess was a little problematic who knows now otani could have exploited this he's a victim you know he could have done the whole thing that every athlete does these days right exploit it make it into a bigger deal than it is uh, try to become the victim then go on get a nike commercial out of it here's what otani said i did see the footage and i heard it personally i'm not offended and i didn't take anything personally he's a hall of famer he's a big influence in baseball in the baseball world it's kind of a tough spot that was his comment he wasn't offended by it so he told everybody he wasn't offended by it and he moved on with his life That's how you handle one of these situations. Grow a backbone. Why does everything hurt your feelings so much? Maybe the better thing to do is to step back and say, you know what? Who cares what some guy said about me? In fact, I had a great career. I'm glad he's at least talking about me. I'm going to move on with my life and hit my 41st home run. That's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. It's the way people used to do it, at least. And we've moved on to this just super sensitive, pathetic society. Wokeness is weakness. Back in a second. I want to talk about, I don't know, something important, something that has changed your life. Uh, You know, we have these things in technology that change our life, sometimes for the worse, a lot of times, though, for the better. We we take these things for, uh, for, for granted, especially when you look around the world and you see what other people are dealing with. What about something that improves your life in a way that maybe you didn't see coming? Maybe something that used to be really annoying and now is really easy. Well, a company called Ladder has done this. They basically took on the whole life insurance industry and they flipped it upside down. Uh, They looked for inefficiencies, got rid of them. Before Ladder, if you wanted to have life insurance, you had to drive across town and you sit through a sales pitch. You fill out a ton of paperwork. There's like eight weeks of waiting to see if you've been approved. Who knows, they're probably poking you with needles. I don't know what's going on in these things. There's all sorts of weird health information they want. It gets really, really confusing and arduous. Uh, You also get a bunch of phone calls from people trying to bundle your life insurance with a million other things. 
With Ladder, they just, they're just pure with it. You know, they can get, give you fast, affordable term life insurance without leaving your home 100% digital. You can get $3 million uh, or less in coverage without any doctors or needles or paperwork or anything. If you're between the ages of 20 and 60, if you need some coverage, which if you are, I mean, you, you do. If you're alive, you need coverage. And you want to team up with a company that is changing the way life insurance operates. Choose Ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R. Ladderlife.com slash stew is the place to go. Uh, if you go there, you get it. See if you're instantly approved. L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash stew. Ladderlife.com slash stew. Insure yourself. Your life, it's important. Ladderlife.com slash stew. The top 20 most valuable websites, well, Google's on there, and then there's like 19 porn sites. But number 21 is StuDoesAmerica.com. It's true. You can go there whenever you want, get links to anything you want on the show. We're talking the merchandise. We're talking the actual episodes, the podcast, everything. Social media. Go there, StuDoesAmerica.com, and it'll get you to the YouTube page where you can watch any episode of the show whenever you want and comment on the show as we do it. We always look at your comments. Uh, this one, I love this. Uh, this is from yesterday's show. I love your graphs. You make everything so clear and easy to understand. I love that you always tell the truth and the whole story and not just pick out pieces of information to support a particular point of view. Keep up the great work. We did do a little bit of a Conservanerds Unite Graphapalooza uh, yesterday. And I will say this. We plan on doing more of it today on the Delta variant. I even talked about it at the beginning of the show, but I ranted too long on Afghanistan, so we kind of ran out of time. We're going to bring that back for you tomorrow. If you have any questions, uh, tweet them uh, at Studios America. If you want to talk about uh, Delta or the vaccines or whatever you have, uh, throw it at me. We'll see if we can get to it on tomorrow's program. Also, you can review this show on uh, your podcast app. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. That is important to note. Make sure you know that. Uh, this one is great show. Best hour, I will never get back, that I waste all day. And that's important to us. Thank you for including us in your wasted time. By the way, speaking of shows that are important to watch, remember, when you rate the show, it's good for us, yes. But more importantly, it's bad for others. And you got to believe, what is Andrew Cuomo going to do now that he's, out, uh, he's not a governor anymore here in a couple of days? He's probably going to start his own podcast, and we're going to be fighting against him. That's important. So when, be before we get to that news, we still have a few more days of him in office, and we're going to have a special celebration show. It's only, what, five days away now? Andrew Cuomo leaving office? I can't wait. Make sure to celebrate at andrewcuomoisawful.com. He's getting the boot. In five days, we'll be here to walk you through all the happy times if he actually leaves, which we're totally not sure of yet. Back in a second. On tomorrow's radio program, we'll give you an update on the Nazarene Fund. Millions and millions of dollars you have donated, and we're going to tell you how you can help people in Afghanistan that helped our soldiers get out of there now that Biden screwed this up. Okay, so before we go, here's what happened. A guy with a knife in an altercation with another guy. He stabs the guy. Then he goes down the, the hall, the, uh, the alleyway, and stabs himself in the neck. Really, really ugly story. Happened in Seattle, so not really worth commenting on because that happens like 417 times a day in Seattle. However, this one was interesting. Why? The first man who stabbed the other guy was naked. Okay, again, it's Seattle. It totally could happen. However, the naked guy, the guy he stabbed, also naked. 
one naked man stabs another naked man, then stabs himself. I mean, I know they they, they did change it from Chaz to Chop. Um, and now it's Chop to Stab, I guess. I, I mean, just, just get your crap together, Seattle, and put some damn clothes on, please. <laughs>